0: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cavins.
1: All right, we got a lot of Patriots football to talk about. We got some Cam Newton stuff to talk about. Of course, Julio Jones is not a Patriot. But first, Greg Bedard needs to tell us all about the BSJ app because it is back, baby.
0: Yes, Nick, they are back. Both Apple and Android are pushed through by each company thank god apple was a little bit of a battle thanks for our guy our it guy adam bertram for taking care of that uh but they are now available so what people need to do if you have google android you need to delete the old bsj app and you need to go into the store search for it and reinstall it it does it does not automatic uh, upload automatically on apple you need to hopefully for most of you it automatically updated that might not be the case if for some reason you're seeing part of the old app part of the new app delete what you have go into the app store search for Boston Sports Journal it'll come up you should be good to go nick i don't know if you're going to believe this i don't know if i, I don't know if i want to jinx it either but it is now almost 11am on wednesday and i don't have a service ticket since about 1am which is a minor miracle because basically what i've been doing every day since we switched systems is at the end of every day like 1am 2am i sit there and i go through every single service request and i don't have one in the last uh 10 or so hours so i'm excited and there's a lot of what i want people to know is not only can you uh, is it more BSJ more accessible to you and it's easier to comment and all that through the app, but there's also a lot of bells and whistles that we can do down the road, including uh, news notifications, also notifications for your favorite author. So if you, you know, follow me for notifications on there, you know, like I need to know what Bedard's writing. As soon as it happens, it'll pop up uh, on your device. So a lot of good stuff to happen uh, down the road, for bsj again this is just the beginning there's a lot more that we're going to be announcing this summer um and we're excited and this is a good first step this system i know people will be like well i don't like change i don't like this i don't have the print function right now it's all coming this is a necessary first step some bumps in the road but this will be better for everybody long term and including now i think the the site is much more readable and the apps are much better so uh we're off to a good start there
1: Yeah, and you also want to keep an eye out for the uh, Father's Day gift deals that BSJ, they're going to have on the site. So keep an eye out for that because, as always, trying to hook up the dads every single year. So, again, if you're looking for a BSJ deal, uh, look at the Father's Day gift deals that will be coming up pretty soon. Greg's been working on that as well. All right, let's talk about the Patriots now. Uh, We've been talking about Julio Jones, Greg, for the last, I don't know, what, month or two, it feels like, last seven months. And really, we've talked about Julio Jones as a possible Patriot going back to like two, three years ago because of this fascination of Atlanta kind of declining, the Patriots trying to keep the motor running. Well, Mm -hmm. now we know the deal is not done. Julio is in Tennessee. You've been saying from the beginning, Greg, you did not think the Patriots were as interested as some may think. What have you heard as far as as the deadline got closer and the Patriots'
0: involvement? Not much. There was, they, they had minimal interest at the end of the day, Nick. And, you know, we talked early on when there were rumors about the Patriots and we discussed how it was probably just due diligence on their part. Cause the Patriots look into anything. You, you never know when you're going to get a deal. Now uh, I'll, I'll just tell you one, one source told me when I asked him at the end of the day and I sort of gave them my assessment on, you know, Julio and where he was which if people read bsj or listen to us they know that i have serious questions about whether he's in decline or not because because if you watch the film from 2019 he was he was awesome he was he was incredible uh i would give up anything for that guy then you turn on the film from last year you go to sort of the end of the season and he was hurt a lot of the season but he did come back he was not the same guy and you're like okay well what he looked like at the beginning of the season when he should be tuned up. And I know some people out there who wanted Julio, you know, I heard from the BSJ members who are you know, give him an excuse. Well, it's COVID and there's no preseason and blah, blah, blah. I mean, look, that's a bunch of BS. Like he's a highly paid NFL wide receiver who gets paid to be ready for the season. And if you turn on the film, I don't care COVID or not preseason like Julio Jones ever plays in the preseason. I mean, he probably does a little bit, but you know, you don't really need that. So you go back and you watch the first game of the season and it's night and day between 2019 and 2020. Julio Jones, and for that reason, and him being 32 and he'll be 33 by the time the Super Bowl rolls around, you have to have serious questions about whether he's in decline. And I think that he's in decline. I think the Patriots think that he's in decline. And Nick, judging off the lack of interest and, and including, you know, my source that I talked to said, said uh, I didn't hear his name once in the building. (laughs) And so look, that doesn't mean that there, there weren't discussions that, you know, in other parts of the building, what have you. And I'm sure there were, I'm sure, you know, Julio came available. I'm sure there was some sort of meeting and personnel between Belichick and and Ziegler and probably Wolf and Matt Patricia and stuff like that being like, do we want to get into this? But look, at the end of the day, from all the reporting that's out there, the Titans were the only suitor at the end of the day. They were bidding against themselves. And not only did they give up a second on a fourth, but from what it looks like, they're, pay- they're paying the full freight on his contract, which yep. – to me is just a non-starter. Like, I might do the second rounder. Look, you gave up a second for Sanu. Even Julio Jones on his worst days is better than Muhammad Sanu. So (laughs) the second rounder, I can understand. But to pay, you know, $15 million a year for three years, maybe for one year I would do it, Nick, because you're like, all right, maybe one more moment in the sun, change does everybody good, blah, 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 the Falcons stunk. That's part of the deal. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, yeah, I can understand. 1 1 year 15 million. But basically like 3 years at whatever was left about 40, you know, 45, 48 million dollars on that contract. There's no way I would do that. And I think that's where the Patriots were. I think the Patriots would have been they would have been more interested in around third let's start out at third round territory. Maybe they might get up to a conditional 2. And if you said, okay, and the Falcons say, all right, we'll pay half the first year and Julio would be interested in a restructure, then I think they would have been interested. But from, from what we see from the deal and also that the Titans had to restructure Ryan Tannehill to get Julio Jones under the cap and give them some room, that tells me that the Falcons continued their high asking price. Julio Jones is getting his money whether you like it or not. And so for that, I I don't blame the Patriots. That would be a non-starter for me.
1: A few quick thoughts. Number one, I thought it was crazy that Atlanta was able to get two decent picks and get the money off of their lap. I, I thought for sure, if you're sending Jones somewhere and you get a second and a fourth, and I know there was like a sixth round pick thrown in, whatever with that. But if you're getting a second and a fourth back for Jones, Mm -hmm. I thought for sure Atlanta would have to pay at least half of the money this year. The fact that they dumped it all on Tennessee's lap and then Tennessee had to restructure Ryan Tannehill's deal. And I I love the idea. I saw Ian Rappaport say, oh, it was a simple restructure. Simple restructure for Ryan Tannehill. That simple restructure (laughs) marries Tannehill to Tennessee for the next three years. So if, if Tannehill is a bum, Without Arthur Smith, you know, Corey Davis, John U. Smith gone, if Derrick Henry somehow, someway slows down because he's, asked, been ca- he's been carrying the football for, you know, 400 times a year, the last couple of years, they are now married to Tannehill. His cap number next year is like 40 million. The year after that, it's like 40 million. He's got an elite cap number as a quarterback when he's, I would say, a good quarterback. That's number one. Number two, when you look at Julio's deal, People will say, well, the guaranteed money, the brunt of it is this year because the next two years, the guarantees drop big time. I think next year he's on the books for like two and a half, three million guaranteed. Here's the thing. When you trade a second and a fourth and you pay him his entire cash load this year of 15 plus, you know, I think it's another 300 grand. When you pay him that, you know, what's going to happen. Right, Greg? I mean, if Julio is just good, he's going back and saying, I want another contract extension, yep. rip up the next two years, give me a new deal. I'll take another three years, 45 million. Let's get the deal done. So if you're the Patriots or any other team, and I think this is why there was only one suitor, as you said, in that Diana Rossini garbage of there's our first round pick. <laughs> there was never a first round pick out there. Can we stop that? Yeah. yeah. That, that was, that was, you know, that was Atlanta trying to build the price up. So if you're a team that trades for Julio you're not only, if you look at this deal, you're not only giving up a second, you're giving up a fourth, you're paying $15.3 million guaranteed this year, and I believe you're going to be on the hook paying this guy when he's 33, 34, 35 years old. And I think it's too much. I would have loved Julio Jones on the Patriots. I think the Patriots, I've been saying this, are a legit number one receiver away from having a really impressive offense. And I think he could have fit, even if he wasn't the same guy he was in 2019. But to me, it was just too much to ask. And and I don't have a problem with Belichick saying thanks, but no thanks. So now the question is, Greg, the Pats have 15 million bucks. They're looking pretty good with this salary cap right now. Salary cap goes up next year to 208, 209 is a thought process. What could the Patriots do with that 15 million?
0: Well, I think the number one thing is you look at uh, who on the team, and I'm just trying to find the list right now, but, uh, you know, who do you want to extend? You could, th- there could be some players that you want to extend. I um, mean, you got
1: Gilmore, you got McCourty, you've got Gilmore, you've got McCordy, you've got possibly Hightower, you could do something with his deal. Those are the guys that come to mind right off the top.
0: Yeah, I'm just looking through their list. And, and so, you know, as far as, you know, Stephon, pardon? I said J.C.
1: Jackson is another one that you could probably throw out there. Yeah, probably
0: J.C. Jackson is the guy I would go after because with Gilmore, you just don't know what the future holds. You don't know, you know, what is he going to demand a new contract? Is he going to want to raise? Do the Patriots want to do that with him coming off injury? And I think at least locking up J.C. Jackson gives you a, a good starting quarter cornerback going forward, so I think J.C. Jackson is where I would start. You know, a guy I could see a guy like Adrian Phillips possibly getting a little extension. He would probably do a team friendly thing, uh, Belichick's type of guy. I doubt on James White that they would do something considering they let him sit out there in free agency for a while. I I wouldn't go the 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 Hightower and McCourty route. I I I don't know if I would do um, an extension rather than like, you know, a restructure Trent Brown's possible, but again, you want to see what do you exactly get out of Trent Brown this year? So that's where you start, but really Nick, where I think they go. And I think they're in a good position this way. And if people just have patience and thank goodness, Bill Belichick (laughs) does have patience.
1: It's it's 2021. Um, How dare you ask people to have patience? I,
0: I know, I know, I know, Nick, I know I'm asking a lot. But uh, if people have patience, what you want to do is, look, the Patriots have a pretty good roster right now. Um, There are serious questions at quarterback. We all know this. Um, The $15 million that they have right now, they still have room to go to more if, you know, say they, you know, do something with Stephon Gilmore, restructure Hightower, restructure McCordy, They have – the potential to get to say like $30 million in cash space. Um, you know, the big thing is flexibility. You want to, you want to give yourself flexibility. And right now, most teams right now at this point in time, and there might be a few teams that once they see their team in, in mandatory mini camps, some of them uh, are going on right now, the Patriots will be next week. They'll get a good look at their team and see where guys are coming off of opt-outs and things like that. And maybe some guys cut loose. Maybe some guys are available via trade. So you leave yourself flexibility. But largely, most teams at this point in time have an idea. They have their teams that they want to go to camp with. And then from there, all bets are off. Then you keep reevaluating. And for the Patriots, I think they have a ton of flexibility right now. And, you know, when I talk about that flexibility, you know – Who knows what happens with Cam Newton in his hand? Um, Likely, in all likelihood, he is, uh, he's not going to throw probably until training camp. Um, Now, you know, he could be back sooner than that. We don't know. But you don't know with Cam Newton. You also don't know with Mac Jones. I mean, so far, so good. But is Belichick at the end of the day really going to be comfortable with him? You know one option with a lot of cap space if they increase it at some point in time is Uh-oh. still Garoppolo. Uh no. <laughs> I'm just saying. I I, look, it. I thought we ended it. I thought it was over. It's, it's not completely. I don't think I don't think I ever completely shut the door, but look, I'm not saying it's going to happen and it, again, the ball is all in San Francisco's court. And so far they have tucked their ball and run with it and they haven't wanted to deal with anybody but circumstances have changed now. They now have Trey Lance in the building. They're going to have a mini camp. They're going to have a better idea and you know if Trey Lance does well and I could see Kyle Shanahan over, you know, the July break um you know basically sitting there and being like, "You know what?" just want to go with trey lance and look they could still have garoppolo as the backup we all know that but you just never know you know and maybe trey lance it's promising it goes into camp he clearly wins the job garoppolo's not happy you don't know you don't know and but nick the overall big picture is not only a quarterback but at wide receiver defensive positions, maybe at linebacker, maybe at cornerback, maybe they, you know, maybe they do something with Stefan Gilmore and they need some, you know, more veteran help. Uh, they leave themselves flexibility now that they, they now can look at what they have in camp. And this is what Belichick normally does. What do they have in camp? Where are they weak? Now they can, now they have the room to go do whatever they want. And that $15 million, even if they don't increase it, should give you enough to do something, you know, decent, I would say minimal average type deal in camp to, to give you a missing piece. And also it leaves you the flexibility with McCourty and Hightower restructuring that they could do a restructure during the season. And before the trade deadline, they add a piece where maybe the, the price is less in a lot of different ways on a guy like Julio Jones, and they add those pieces. So the in the big picture, it's – I think the Patriots will have extreme patience – They'll see what they have. And now they have flexibility to go in a lot of different directions, not only in camp, but during the season.
1: And flexibility is such a huge deal. We talked about that during free agency with Belichick and and how he was setting himself up for the draft by spending that money so he could be flexible in the draft. And when you look back at it, one of the things that we never really mentioned when the Patriots, you know, decided to stick and pick at 15 and, and pick Mac Jones is because they did not move up to get Mac Jones, another angle to that is it allowed them to keep their flexibility. If you moved up to get Mac Jones, I don't know if you move up to get Christian Barmore. I don't know what those picks are looking like after that deal for Jones. So the fact that you decided to stay at 15 and pick Mac Jones, it allowed you to have those extra picks later on to overpay and move up for Barmore. So it it is about flexibility. We know Belichick loves that. I want to ask you one more question about the wide receiver position, Greg, are you okay with where they're at right now since they did not bring in Jones? And if you're not, what kind of urgency do you think they may have as the camp season moves along to maybe go out and get a guy? I know a lot of people will bring up Odell Beckham jr. I don't know if Cleveland is interested in that deal. Maybe they are, but how much urgency do you think they should show at that position over the next month or two?
0: Uh, Not much Nick in terms of urgency. I mean, I, uh, unless there are injuries and with wide receivers, you're always dealing with hammies and quads and groins and stuff like that. But look, they paid good money for Nelson Aguilar. He looks as I mean, he looks as good as advertised so far in the two can't, uh, two practices that we've seen. And we will see another on Thursday and then three practices next week. Uh, Kendrick Bourne looks good. They paid a decent amount for him and they have Jacoby Myers. And then they have, you know, look, Gunnar Olszewski with his punt return ability is going to have a spot on this team. I think that he has, uh, you know, some potential to develop as a slot receiver. I don't know if he's ready for this year, but I'm good with, I'm good with Aguilar born and Myers for now. And plus you have to keep in mind. And we talked about this, I think a couple pods ago uh, related to the Julio Jones stuff is that they paid top of the market for two tight ends. And so those guys are going to be on the field like 70% of the time. And so, you know, if you do bring in somebody else, where do they fit? Who gets bumped down? Um, is that warranted? Those are all discussions that they'll have internally. They'll basically be like, well, is he better than what we have? And, and at this point in time, I don't think, I don't think they're ready to answer that yet on some of the guys, but I I'm completely comfortable with where they are right now. Are they a little thin? Yeah. But look, this isn't fantasy football and we go through this all the time. Um you're not going to, in the salary cap era, you are not going to feel great about every single position. Every single position is not going to have talent and depth. It's just part of the deal. And especially if you draft like crap, like the Patriots have the past handful of years, your depth is challenged. And so they put themselves in this spot, just like they did the previous couple years where their depth gave out. So, I, you know, I like that the free agency bought them, Um, a middle class on this team and also an upper class. Um, And and they got lucky that way that it all timed out so well with COVID and all that stuff. But look, the Patriots are not going to be gangbusters at every spot. That's just the way it is. And look, are they a little thin on the offensive line depth wise? Yeah. A little bit, but now you got to see if younger players can play. And it's the same thing at wide receiver. Are they a little thin? Yeah. Yeah. But you don't know. I mean, Nelson Aguilar could be a number one. Kendrick Bourne could develop into a number two. And Jacoby Myers has been a solid number three. And you combine that with a really good offensive line that even our guys pro football focus that should be a top three. Uh, even though they're projecting, you know, a, a, a Wenu and also you know Trent Brown to be out there consistent and good. That's that's fine. I mean, I I don't disagree with that. I think they'll be at least the top 10, if not top five, offensive line. That's going to be run-based, play-action-based. You have two good running backs right now. Um, And then you have two tight ends. And so I think that's plus a good defense. And I think that's the identity of this team. So I think I'm comfortable with where they are at wide receiver. And I think they are right now. With an eye, they'll be looking for deals to make themselves a little bit better. And could they use a fourth, maybe a little bit more veteran option? Yeah, but I don't think they're in any hurry to do anything.
1: I have a binky and I've been talking about this binky for the last couple of years. And that binky is out there. He's available. I don't think he'll cost you a lot of money. And I think he's the perfect guy to add depth to this team. And he's a guy who will grind. He's a guy that can make some plays when you need him to make plays. His name's golden Tate. And Mm -hmm. I, I would love them to take a swing on like a one year deal, low money, bring him in, He's not a number one, but as you said, Greg, somebody who could be that, you know, third, fourth guy, if you have some injuries, he's had some injuries, but I I think he's a solid veteran presence who he can run pretty much all the routes. He can play inside. He can play outside. He just strikes me as a tough guy. Somebody who who could, you know, possibly be with the program for one year. I wouldn't mind that. But as I've said, you know, he's a binky of mine. So I'm always going to push for Golden Tate. I, I think he'd be a pretty nice fit here. Other names people have thrown out. Danny Amendola is still out there. Alshon Jeffrey is still out there. Um, Of course, again, Odell Beckham. I think that's going to be a story that continues to pop up. Baker Mayfield has played better without Odell in Cleveland. Uh, Is that just kind of a coincidence or is it something to kind of read into? I don't know. We'll see what happens with all of that. Uh, One last shot that I think we should take for Greg, and Greg has been talking about this over the last few weeks. You know, I, I like to put some money on stuff. And, Greg, I, I don't know how much uh, you, you know, mess around with <laughs> with uh, the little gambling world. But I, I put a little money here and there once in a while. And as you told people, everybody goes crazy. They go bananas when they see Patriots or the leaders in the clubhouse, according to Vegas on Julio Jones. Hopefully people listened to Greg and didn't waste their money because Greg's been saying,
0: don't listen to Vegas. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Patriots their favorite to get Julio Jones. Uh, I mean, look, how did that work out? Like, uh, look, I, I I, enjoy placing a bet, a nice little wager, you know, a few uh, ducats here and there. But, you know, I, I prefer to leave it on the games where you have an actual point spread. And Vegas is really good on point spreads. But this nonsense about, like, you know, I, I, you know, where, where's Julio Jones going to land? How long were the Patriots the favor to get him in Vegas? Yeah. Vegas knows something. Yeah. Vegas, <laughs> yeah, Vegas. They know. They They don't know. And they're just trying to get your money and they're trying to it's entertainment and, and, you know, nobody knew anything. I mean, especially with the Patriots. So like it just drives me crazy that every time something happens, someone's available on Twitter, they're like, Oh, but the Patriots are the second favorite to land so-and-so, according to Vegas. They know stuff. No, they don't know anything. Like, they're just, they're just trying to get your money. They're just trying to provide entertainment. It doesn't mean anything. Um, you know, it's just everything's become so gambling-obsessed. It's now, like, you know, it's now become, like, factual. But it's just, yeah, it's just a frustration of mine. Just, just listen to the people who know what's, what's going on and, and go from there.
1: You can't beat the house. All right, last uh, last thing before we get to the member question of the day, you mentioned this a little bit earlier. We didn't dive into it. I want to circle back to Cam Newton, his injury. Uh, I don't know. You apparently have heard some rumors out there about Cam's injury. What's the latest on that? Is it is it more significant than first thought? Is is he going to be out longer than we thought? What, what's going on?
0: Okay, so there is some, and and I this blew in my direction some way, but there's, there's always some rumors on the internet about Twitter from, you know, so-and-so who says they're a Patriots beat reporter and stuff like that. Like, uh, I don't know if you caught this, but, um, the one guy who purports himself on Twitter to be a Patriots reporter has long reported that Dante Hightower is not going to play this season and about how he's not going to show up and blah, blah, blah. And Hightower's wife answered him and said, LOL, who the hell are you? Like, <laughs> oh. Oh. So, yeah, you that was a little... you
1: called out by wifey. That's rough. Yeah.
0: So um, I thought that was funny, but in a related topic, I mean, there, there are reports that, Before his hand injury, I'm not even going to call them reports. There are rumors circulating on Twitter, on the internet, that uh, the day before or in the days before Cam Newton left practice with that hand injury, he and maybe some family members were involved in an incident somewhere in Boston, like at a nightclub or restaurant or something like that. And they think that there might have been a scuffle and Cam Newton might have hurt his hand that way. I think it's a bunch of nonsense. I haven't even asked people whether it's true or not because I don't chase down every single rumor. So if you ask me on Twitter, hey, Greg, have you heard anything about this? I'm not going to answer you because it's not a real report. If it comes from a real reporter, I'll probably look to track it down. But I have not asked about this. And really, it goes to the heart of. And uh, I heard her favorite radio show talking about this the other day, and I'm sure um, Jace Dew is now clipping this to play. Um, I debated whether doing another Felger impersonation. I mean, I could do the <laughs> laugh. The <laughs> I could do that, but uh, I'll just stay away from it now because obviously those guys get a little sensitive about that, even though they pick apart my reports all the time and they had no problem with it. But anyways, so they were talking about it, and Felger is like, well, All these reporters are out there at practice and nobody saw what happened. And I explained it on our last podcast how I didn't see what happened because the the quarterbacks were doing a nothing drill closest to us. And, And I'm sorry, I'm not one of these reporters out there that is going to document every single thing that the quarterbacks do, even though it's very important. There's a whole team that I have to look at. And when specialty – there was a specialty – there were kick returns going on, kick and punt returns, I think, at the same time on the far field. And I wanted to see what was going on. Who's returning kicks? Who's uh, who's on the number one units? Because if you're on special teams, if they think a lot of you on special teams, you're probably earning a spot on the team. So that stuff is important to watch. And the Patriots – the the quarterbacks were just doing – they were stepping over bags – They were making little throws. They were doing nothing drills. So I was not paying attention to that. And so I didn't see it. It wasn't anything nefarious. It wasn't, you know, people aren't inventing what happened. Um, He probably banged his hand on a bag or whatever. And Cam Newton, mind you, everyone leaves this out. They had been practicing for about 45 minutes before that. And he threw the ball fine. And he actually probably threw the ball better than he has in a while out of Patriots practice, certainly better than the practice before. And then suddenly Newton's off the field and, and, and talking to the team doctor and the trainer and all that stuff. Now I will say, does it happen that NFL players get hurt away from the building and they keep it under wraps? And then all of a sudden that practice they're like, Oh, my arm, I think it's broke. Pull a Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. It happens because you're protected if you get hurt during practice. Um, So, yes, that happens. But I have no reason to believe from the way Cam Newton threw before the injury to the circumstances, I have no reason to believe that anything other than Cam Newton getting hurt during the course of practice happened at that time.
1: I'd also say this one last thing is you talked about this after the injury on the pod. Cam's initial reaction his yeah. reaction, how angry he was and how mm-hmm. disgusted he was again. Now, if we're going to go with a theory that off of these rumors, he heard himself doing something away from the field at a nightclub, whatever's going on. Then we have to believe he decided to go out there and practice for 45 minutes and, and throw the football as good as we've seen him throw the football, according to your eyes. And then we would also have to believe that at the tail end of the practice, Cam decided to orchestrate a theatrical performance to make it look like he was really hurt and disgusted in that very moment. That that, that would have to be pre-planned. And, I mean, I think we should give him the Emmy right away. Let's give him the Academy Award if if that's what he did. So, it's not to say that something didn't happen. Maybe something did happen. Who knows? But if something did happen, that doesn't necessarily mean that when that something happened, he got hurt from that something. It might have just been something that happened. And, you know, now we're trying to, you know, cause and effect this thing, which is, you know, taking it another leap, which again, 2021. The BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day. Check them out at BSJ, 39.99 on their annual plan. Top-notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports. You also get a membership and you get access to a ton of video analysis from Bedard on the coach's film, direct access to him in weekly chats. The weekly chats, that's where we gather our member question of the day. And Greg, you have one for today.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I tapped my inner circle of members for a question. I got a couple good ones, and I'm going to go with John T's question because uh, Mike's was a little bit – he asked who would be a surprise cut based on OTAs. I'm not, I, I haven't seen enough, and there, people haven't been there a lot of the veterans. So let's wait for veteran mini camp. And then we'll have that discussion after that. But John T S how good do you think the defense can be compared to the best defense we've seen here recently? You know, I'll, I'll tackle about half that question. Uh, I did write a column the other day, uh, because we've been so offense and QB centric, uh, at BSJ for good reason, but I, I delved into the, to the defense and, uh, I think the defense has a chance to be really good. Um, I think that they have much more depth on the defensive line. They can go in a bunch of different directions. They have a lot of depth and options at edge. They have a lot of depth and option at uh, at inside linebacker. That's if you have high tower. You know, we talked about Kyle Van Noy being there. Uh, What can Raquan McMillan give you? What can Uche give you? We don't know. That's going to play out over the course of the summer. Uh, cornerbacks, you'd like to know what the finished product is going to be as far as, you know, Gilmore, Jackson, Jonathan Jones. Uh, is Gilmore going to be there? Uh, are they going to bring anybody else in? Safety, they have plenty between Devin McCourty and Jalen Mills at free safety. You have Adrian Phillips and, and Kyle Duggar at strong safety. Uh, I think they have a lot of options, and I think they, as provided they're in long yardage and they stop the run, which I think they will. Uh, they have a lot of options to bring safeties, both Phillips and Duggar, down into the box to give them more speed, uh, which I think they need. I also talked about in that column about how, you know, teams NFL teams measure te- one of the ways they measure team speed is by forced fumbles, and uh, I'm just looking up what I said. And so last year the Patriots completely bottomed out in terms of forced fumbles for them they forced only 11 fumbles recovered only four last year the in the year before 2019 when they were they for the regular most of the regular season they had among the best defenses in the league they had 26 forced fumbles and 11 recovered 2016 when they won a super bowl 26 forced fumbles and last year was 11 so that just tells you there's not enough speed on the field, and I think that's why they're going to play more and more safeties. I think you're going to see some personnel packages where Devin McCourty, Jalen Mills, Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar, they're all on the field at the same time, and, and teams hopefully don't know where they're coming from. The Amoeba's back uh, on, on the practice field, and that's exciting. But, look, I have some questions about how good this this unit can be for a bunch of different reasons, including, look, the amoeba worked when Brian Flores was here. He's not here anymore. Can Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo, can they push the right buttons at the end of the day? I mean, Belichick can make the play calling on defense as paint-by-numbers as he wants, and he'll always be heavily involved in the defensive game planning and all that. But at the end of the day, sometimes play calls come down to guts, gut feelings. They come down to hunches. They could come down for 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 from game feel. Are are Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo going to have that? Are they? Did they learn lessons from 2019 where they faltered down the stretch, and you know, look, they were getting beat badly on third and longs and things like that. Did they learn lessons from that? Can they apply them going forward? Uh, but Look, as far as best Patriots defenses, I'm not ready to go there. I think this defense can be really good, but there are a lot of unanswered questions as far as personnel and the coaching, and I think that will all play itself out.
1: On paper, PFF, I think, has their secondary ranked as the fifth best in football this year. That's Mm -hmm. not too shabby. And, you know, listen, I I don't know what the play calling will look like. We don't have the answers to the questions you just asked about, you know, Flores's absence and what will Belichick and Mayo be able to do and handle the Amoeba defense. When I go into a season, again, this is all on paper. And as we know right now, what this defensive unit looks like, I look for three things. I look for talent. I look for depth. I look for versatility. And I think the Patriots have all three of those things on that side of the football. So they should be good. I don't know if they'll be great. They should be good enough. Let's put it that way. His name is Greg Bedard. I am Nick Cattles. That is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with, of course, Nick Cattles. Everybody enjoy the rest of your day. Greg's going to be out at Gillette again later on in the week. We'll catch up. Till then, be well.